Hello everyone, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I? A conversation podcast where I talk to interesting people to try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. This episode has me talking to the world's greatest hype man, Cameron Hughes. Uh, You know that crazy guy in the crowd dancing like there's no tomorrow? Uh, He just may be the crowd igniter who is in the smile business. To be honest, he's probably the most open and in-touch person I've talked to thus far, and I genuinely hope I get to see him in action one day and meet him in person. Maybe we can share a meal. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Cameron. Cameron yeah. Hughes, thank you for joining me on the Why Am I podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> Hands up. Man, you're a presence. <laughs> Oh, let's go. Bring the chair. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to start this like I start all of them now. I used to introduce my uh, my guests or whatever, but um, I prefer to have you speak your own truth now. So you and I are, where are we? Uh, we're standing in line at the water park for like a particularly long slide. And uh, we're going to be there for a while. So we're chit-chatting. I tell you that I'm a dog catcher. We have a conversation about it. It's your turn to reciprocate. So who are you? Who am I? I'm a crowd igniter. Crowd igniter. <laughs> I elevate experiences at events around the world would be the best kind of way to put it. I uh, I get up in crowds and I dance and I cheer and I go crazy, kind of do anything possible to make your experience more fun, more energetic, more full of life. You know, I mean, I do it from NHL, NBA, minor league games around the world to corporate events, to leadership events, to high school leadership events to TV shows. So I've kind of done a bit of everything, which is what's made my career in life um, for me interesting, you know? That's wild. But you've been doing this for like a yeah. like a pretty good chunk of time, right? <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been doing it for over a quarter century. I think that sounds better than saying like 27 years. Over a quarter century. <laughs> <laughs> Man has been, um, yeah, I mean, it took a long time to get going in the sense of like, with anything or anyone, you know, chasing the path of a, a, a different creative path. It doesn't just, you know, if you're a photographer or if you're a model or, you know, some of these things just take some of them, you you know, people get lucky, but it takes time to prove yourself and to get going. But it's been over 25 years that I've, you know, been in this world and been in this chase and committed to, you know, every day waking up saying, Hey, how can I bring a little more cheer, cheer, cheer to the world? That's kind of my yeah. thing. Well, something you mentioned there is like photographers or other stuff like that. To me, that seems like, or a model or an actor, that seems like maybe a little bit more clear cut path that you follow. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily a mold or a formula for crowd igniter or somebody who creates experiences that like, so yeah. it's like you pretty much have to invent all that yourself, right? Yeah, I mean it's a good point because you know you want to be a photographer, you take the camera, you go to the, take pictures. Yeah, you just learn to take pictures. You <laughs> right? start doing I mean, all that stuff. And I, and I think that's sort of what has been interesting about my life and story is that a lot of it, and one of my taglines is "show up." Right? I mean, I I would when in the early days when I was trying to get discovered after I had my big sort of aha moment at a game, I would then show up at other venues and say hire me you know back in the day it was vhs tapes that i would send and most people weren't opening vhs tapes going yeah you know what really need to hire that that crazy guy for our game you know like it was never on in their mindset their mindset was okay do we have a dj do we maybe have some cheerleaders do we have like a drummer or something there was no big video boards there was no big entertainment departments like there are now 
so yeah, I mean, I just had to keep showing up at different venues and saying, Hey, look what I do. And at the end of the game, you would hope they'd come up to you and say, Hey, you want to come back and do that? That was great. All right, man. Well, I think it's paint for me a picture with words. What a common engagement is for you. Like, like what it is you do, you know what I mean? Cause it's like most of these folks are just going to be listening. So yeah. Yeah. Explain to me. No, okay. You're at a Vegas Golden Knights game, which I, I, I just came back from doing. Vegas Golden Knights. It's a playoff hockey game, and it's a timeout. It's under 14 minutes. They have three timeouts per period. And the timeout starts, and they do their promos. And then they go to the crowd, and they go to me, and I'm like kind of doing something funny with the popcorn or just acting a little silly. They go back to a fan, and they come back to me, and boom, I jump up, and I start to dance, and I rip open my shirt in the aisle, and the crowd's like, Oh yeah, we're, we're in, let's go. It's sort of this moment where the crowd's coming down and you're like, okay, let's bring them back up coming into the play to keep the energy going. And I dance up and down the aisle and I rip open my shirt and I throw off t-shirts and I, I, you know, I really want to be that an extra spark in that moment, you know, to get the crowd fired up and to say, Hey, we're here, let's go, you know? And I think it creates a, in a weird underlying way, this sense of permission just to go a little extra crazy. And when you go a little extra crazy, you talk about it more, you have more fun, and truly you hope the team wins because your energy is helping elevate them, the athletes. I think you undersell what it is that you do. So I've watched some videos of you. I've never got to see you live and in person, but you are this, uh, this mass of energy like this crazy force of all gyrations and man, you are like, you're like pointed people. You're like jumping up on the rails and you are just going ham, dude. And it is like, it is infectious. I think cause you could see the other people around you and it's definitely like it's palpable inside that arena. Like people start getting crazy. Well, that's, first of all, that's the nicest thing anyone's said to me in a while. <laughs> and I, and I, I genuinely, you know, I, I appreciate that comment because, look, I, I, I this is going to sound so obnoxious and cocky and un-Canadian, but I'm going to say it. There are some times that it looks easier than it is, right? I make it look like, I've done it so many times, Greg. I've done it 1,500 times. I don't think it's easy, mm. by the way. I, I think I figured out the science and the philosophy and the timing of, wanting to move a crowd to come with you in that moment right so i i time it where it's like let's go and then after i do the big hits i also time it where i'm like okay does the crowd need something right now is that is that eight year old kid right there who looks a little shy are they willing to come with me is that 90 year old grandma oh yeah look at her she's going to come up with me so i've studied it i've read it i've felt it and i and i use those um you know sort of character, not characteristics, but elements to help me become a better performer to bring the crowd with me. Right. And, um, my energy, I think ultimately is what you're buying in the sense of like, I take it to a whole new level when I'm in the crowd and I turn it up and that makes the fans want to come with you. Right. So I love, I love the words you use there is felt it. Like you feel it. Tell me, describe to me if you can, what does that feel like whenever you get going hmm. or maybe maybe the build up the anticipation to it and then once you actually hit it and it's like i mean it's happening you're in the zone like describe to me what that feeling is for you well i think it's i'm gonna go two things here because i think it's really really it's timely and it's important 
I hadn't done a game in, I might even get emotional. I hadn't done a game in 458 days. Okay. Down to the day. 458 days. So I know everyone's had their own story of how the pandemics hit them. I work in crowds. I was called the most unemployable person in North America at the start of the pandemic. I got up in Vegas. I'm in the crowd. I'm wearing a hazmat suit <laughs> with a gas mask on. And they go to everyone in the crowd and they come to me. And uh, the song was, who are you? Boo boo. And then I stand up. I throw the popcorn. I rip off the mask. And the crowd saw my face. And they know me because I've done you know over 50 games in Vegas. And they held my arms out like this. And they just went absolutely nuts. Because they were like, I, the notes I got from that performance were probably the most I've had in my career. They were like, oh, you made it seem like things were going to come back to normal. Mm-hmm. You made it seem like even the crowd was okay. You gave us permission again. And it wasn't really me or my shtick. It was just the concept, the philosophy, the meaning of a guy in a crowd going crazy saying, let's celebrate together. So I felt it. Like back to what you're, you know, you're saying, like I felt it. And when you feel it off the crowd, it's contagious and you get more from it. But there are times in life where all of us and anyone listening where you just don't feel it. And you're like, okay, how can I turn up the style? How can I get there? Right. And for me, you know, whether you're tired or you've had a long flight or you just not, maybe the game isn't that exciting. Maybe the crowds, you know, it's a Thursday and it was snowing or rainy. So I find ways to feel it. I, I create energy by interacting with people and I get it back from them. And ultimately when you get it back from the crowd, you want to give more, right? And when I feel it, dude, when I'm in that crowd and I know it and I know they're with me, it's the best, you know, it's the best because we're, we're all in this together. This is this community. Everything's bigger than all of us, but we're sharing this, this moment. And, and that's what I live for. That's what I've been wanting to do since I was a young kid, literally since I was 10, I went to a football game with my dad and I said, I can do that. And he's like, what are you talking about? Play quarterback? I'm like, no, I can get the crowd going. And he's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. See, you touched yeah. on so many interesting things there. Like the note I wrote down is um, in that moment, you were like the embodiment of freedom. Cause I, I still remember um, the first time we allowed ourselves to go back in public. I felt a little giddy. Like I just kind of started laughing for no reason. It was just, it was like such this weird rush of uh, emotions, this relief, this, you know, maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel stuff. And then I like the idea of like you, you push the crowd and then the crowd, you know, gets higher and then they push you higher and then just back and forth like this never ending thing. So I interviewed somebody uh, named Tim Wilson and he was talking about people like you. I mean, quintessentially is that you have charisma and then he was breaking it down to all the Latin roots of the words and stuff. And it comes down to like, um, respirate we breathe like that's the origin of the word and so whenever you're doing this performance you're breathing it out and your audience is breathing it in they're they're breathing you in but he said conversely for it to be a good performance whenever they take that into themselves and in your case it would be that energy and they breathe it back out you pull that back into yourself right so they're feeding you and i just i'm such a visual person that I, i like this is the clearest indication of of that actually in practice that I've ever seen. So I just love the idea that, you know, you're like, because, you know, just off the top of my head in terms of a visual, like I'll, I'll run down the stairs into a section of a stadium. Let's just use Vegas, Vegas, cause I just did it. And I'll run down. They may or may not know it's me from my Jersey or whatever I'm wearing. You know, they might be distracted. I turn around and I put my arms up. And I'm like, 
just like literally, like, come on. And everyone gets up because they want to have what I have. I'm having. And what am I having? I'm having that that breath thing yeah, that you're talking yeah. about, that charisma back and forth. And, and, you know, I think in life and what we've all been through in the last, you know, 480 days or whatever it's been, is, is that we don't get that back and forth, right? And even though you and I are on a, a computer and laptop, I can feel it. I get your energy. But when we're live in person, there's that. Like, even like you said, when you're in line at the water park or at the local coffee shop and you talk to someone and you leave and you got a bit of adrenaline in you because you just had a good yeah. chat with some random person named Julie or Bob, like you leave going, oh, I feel better, right? When it's in a stadium, dude, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That sheer, that concept of that breath of emotion going out and taking it in. And that's why I always say win or lose, like what are you doing to move your fans? Yeah. Every team executive I work with, I don't care if you're not bringing me in, but what are you doing to move them? And when you move them, they're breathing more. They're, they're elevating their, you know, I would love to know, to listen to your guests, but uh, you know, like the breath and the energy and the scope of that charisma that you're sharing is like, that's what life's about is right. And I can, I can almost feel that energy. I like for one person to be able to move an entire crowd. That is power. Like I can only, I can only imagine the way that must feel to orchestrate that, you know, to be the maestro of that concert, you know what I mean? Just be up there in front of everybody and move them the direction. Like for me, it's always been kind of like, I have this idea in my head, like this thought in my brain and I can say things, I can do things and other people will feel something off of it. And the idea that you can move an entire, you know, stadium to their feet. That's man, that's powerful. That's crazy to think about. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's, you know, when I look back on it and, and when I'm about to, you know, when I look back on it in the sense of like all the different moments, it's, it's, um, I, A, I'm super grateful. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm grateful for those moments and I appreciate like, you know, executives and people and, you know, giving me that opportunity to do this. And I think a lot of that comes from there, like knowing that you're, you know, being part of that experience and, you know, whether it's a hockey game in Laredo, Texas, or an NBA game in Cleveland, you're allowing me in your building to entertain, energize, and electrify your fans. Like, and if if that starts in that genuine place, then I know, I you know, and I've had a bit of a nap, <laughs> and I have a good little warm up, and I walk out into that seat, and I'm waiting in that seat. My whole body is like, and my emotional like, give is ready, right? There's the, there, there's the steps that I take now that I didn't at first. I, I used to show up and I'd be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and it was chaos. And now I'm like, no, wait a minute. This is, there's more to this, you know? I, I don't think U2 just does a set list and sets up their, you know, um, music and videos w without any thought behind it. Of course they do, right? I mean, it's like, and, and I've learned to do that. And I think it, you know, the more I've done it and the more I've studied it and the more I've talked to other people about it, the more I think I've, um, been able to give. Yeah. I think, I mean, that, that speaks to exactly what you're talking about earlier. There is no formula for this. So it's all been trial and error, right? You just have to, it's, it's science, right? You have a hypothesis, you test it, you see the results and you just keep iterating on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and it's a little different, right? It's like, if you're watching the NBA playoffs, you're like, okay, timeout on the court, the gorilla for Phoenix is going to come out. 
He's going to go get the crowd going this. Then he's going to go dunk a ball. Okay, we, we know it's going to happen, <laughs> right? For me, I'm like, at a New York Knicks game, they're going to go to me in the timeout. They could boo me. <laughs> they, 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 I, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. So you work off that. And I, I've had so many different situations in, uh, you know, I, I can't keep track of all of them where you're like, okay, wait a minute, but you still get something to work from. Right? So the people you're sitting next, because it looks like you're just another guy in the crowd. Do, they, do you warn the people around you or are you just surprised the shit out of them? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it depends. It depends. Um, I, I, I've had, you know, I almost wish I kept track of some of the funny. I've had some where I'm like, hey, this game's boring. We should do something. And they're like, what? I had a, I had a couple of guys once. I was in Singapore doing a rugby game. And there's a video of it. It's on the internet. And these two guys, I was sitting next to them. I'm wearing like a ridiculous like cowboy western shirt with like sparkles and black shorts and weird shoes because it was singapore and it was hot these two guys wanted nothing to do with me like literally (laughs) they gave me like it's the worst people i could sit beside to get a bit of energy because before you go you want to have a bit of fun banter with whoever you're sitting with you want to feel it right you want to be like whether you tell them or not these guys if you watch them in the video you're like why are they even there (laughs) they were so unhappy and which actually turned my switch the other way around, going, you know what? I'm going to show them hmm. a good time. Watch them. Despite you. <laughs> and then there's the other moments where, you know, in some of the arenas where I've been, where it's like Minnesota or Vegas or my hometown of Ottawa, where they know. And it gets them so excited because they're like, it's coming. It's coming. The camera's going to come to us. Cameron's going to get up and do his thing. And that elevates me. That's as well. awesome. So you... You really turn any situation into like a positive energy builder for yourself. Well, for yeah. the most part, I guess you got I, to though, right? Sometimes when I'm traveling and I'm going through TSA, I'm no. Um, but yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's been my mission my whole life. You know, um, you know, I was involved in student life and student uh, events, and I was student president, and I was Mister Spirit at oh. university, and. I just wanted everyone to always have so a bit more take, fun. Take me back a little so. bit. You talked about um, Cameron as a kid. And I know you've made it a point, like in um, some of your promotional materials and stuff like that, to talk about how, like, you know, you didn't really do that great in uh, school sports or you got, like, got cut from the basketball team and all that stuff. And so, yeah, just kind of walk me through who was, who was Cameron as a kid and his relationship with sports and all yeah. that stuff. I grew up in Ottawa, Canada. My parents, you know, middle-class family divorced when I was eight, uh, which is, you know, hard and uh, not horrible, but not easy. And it kind of like was the moment where I started just to, um, I, my interests were more people than sports because I was going between family and I was never like allowed, to, not allowed, but my friends would spend the whole weekend playing sports. I'd be going back and forth right. between my parents. And then um, my mother um, was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was like 14 and she passed away when I was 16, just turned 17. So that was like a, you know, incredibly challenging time for anyone who goes through anything like that. Um, I was a mama's boy. I still am 30 some years later. Um, But she was like such a connector and all about people and love and sharing. And she had an open door and an open heart and, she really left me those valuable messages of put yourself out there and lead with your heart. And if you do, you know, good, great things are going to happen. And then my father, um, 
always like he was a joker and he was big personality and a lot of fun. And, you know, so he kind of gave me that sense of, um, and there was very much in his later years, all about integrity and having, you know, strong values. And he kind of emphasized that later in life. And after my mom passed away, my moment, my moment happened. I didn't make the high school basketball team, but I went and cheered on my friends who did. And I started to become the guy that wanted more people to come and cheer on the team. And, and when I made the team, I meant being at school, being, being excited to come to school. And I was student leader and I was student president. And, you know, a year and a half after my mother died, and it's, it was like such a gift. You know, it was the spark that I needed, you know, not losing your mom, realizing <laughs> that, you know, you were good at this. You, and, and people wanted it and, and I enjoyed it, you know, and like back, like to back to what we said earlier, the more I gave the students, the more they gave the school each other, you know? Mm. So, you know, high school for me was challenging, but also beautiful in, 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 in a different way. So you said your mom really instilled kind of the idea of, of lead with your heart. Um, I love that. Uh, my grandma always said that I wear my heart on my sleeve, which I think is somewhat akin. Yeah. Um, but I found that to be dangerous because you make yourself vulnerable a lot, you know, and, and that's kind of, a. have always found that to be tough in my life. Is that, I mean, you're making yourself well, vulnerable in front of thousands of people now. Like, how do you reconcile that? Oh Yeah. The first thing I thought of though, when you said that is like, where does that come from for you though? Where, where does that, where did you get that? Me? Uh, I've got like this weird, uh, childhood story, but it really boils down to, uh, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened to me. And so I learned to kind of turn everything off. And, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, I didn't feel a lot of stuff for a really long time. And I'm just now rediscovering, uh, how to actually have feelings, which is a, a fun sort of thing. Um, but it was, it's always, it's always been this sort of, uh, fire hose scenario. Either I feel nothing or I feel everything all at once. And so learning to kind of control that has always been sort of hard for me. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of empathy is like when you, you know, you, you try and feel what other people feel. That's like when you're telling me that story, uh, about you, like hyping that crowd, I literally got uh, chill bumps. Like I could, I could feel that like from inside you. So, um, for me, it's always, I've always been afraid of the concept of wearing your heart on your sleeve because as a kid for me, that was dangerous um, to do that stuff. But it sounds like you were surrounded by people that really uh, protected and nurtured that part of you, which I think is fantastic. And then, so it's for me, it's always, it's always yeah. curious. It's like, how did you find your balance? <laughs> like with that kind of, that kind of thing. Well, I'll let you know. If I, ever do. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny because, I, I do feel everything, you know, and I felt everything from uh, probably a young age dealing with like all of us yeah. life's challenges. And it's not a pity parade. It's a reality parade. I never let my mom's story be my story. I let it be my fuel. Right. And, and I always say, you know, I was lucky because she didn't write her message down on a piece of paper. She lived it, you know, so I've tried to live mine the same way by putting my heart, putting my energy, putting my soul in many ways on the line. And whether I'm speaking at a conference and I'm telling the story of my mom and I'm, you know, this happened before the pandemic, 
where I'm literally like, I'm, it's been 30 years and I'm cracking and I can barely mm. finish the story because of the emotion I have, because mm. I still feel it. Because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, that's mm. just who I am and I'm not going to change that. I was a guest host on Katie Couric once for um, a year. And at the end of the segments that we did, she brought me on the show and I'm on national TV, two and a half million people watching her show or something like that. And she talks about the difference we make and all this. And I started to I go, Katie, stop. <laughs> You know, and I'm crying on national TV because I'm like, you mm. feel it. And I can't do what I do. I can't get up in front of that crowd of 18,000 people if I'm not, if I don't feel it. If I'm, it doesn't, it won't work. And there's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people who have said to me, I wish I kept track. Hey, my husband, my girlfriend, my friend could do what you do. And I'm like, there's a ton of people that could do what I do, get up and get the crowd going. But there's the different sense of, behind the scenes of that connection with the kid, of that vulnerability that I have learned to um, compartmentalize at times and then give. And when you give that to someone else, they, they feel mm. safe with you, right? And those are the best shows, the best events I've done is when I'm completely, completely unfiltered. Let's go. And that works, you know, because people want yeah. that, right? Yeah, I mean, because too it's like when i see that in other people that are just so open and honest about it and um to me that like you said earlier that gives me permission uh to let that side of me out and it and it shows me that hey there are other people uh that show me that you know that they're out there doing it and it's okay and uh it's uh i'm never going to call myself normal uh because that's not something i ever uh chase after but uh i think um Something I, I learned is, uh, believe it or not, I learned it from uh, RuPaul. She said, the things that uh, make you not fit in when you like find your people, that's the things that make you stand out, right? That make you shine. And so you just got to find your I people. Love that. And man. But, but just, I was going to say something because it just jumped out of me. Like in the last year and a half, I, I've said I love you to my guy, male friends more and more. I don't, I'm convinced I never said it February 2020. <laughs> By April 2020, I'd be on the end of a call with uh, my buddy uh, Adam or John or whoever. Hey, love you. You know, it opened up this set of emotions of being so real because we were truly all in this together concept. And it, it's refreshing, you know, in that sense of just like, yeah, like say it, feel yeah. it. Why not? Like, what do you, yeah. you got to lose? And that's what my mother taught me. That's what that, no, my mother didn't teach me that. Losing my mother at 16 in the middle of high school taught me that. <laughs> what have you got to lose, right? Mm. You've got everything to gain. Which that's what it really is. You've got everything What's to that? gain. That's really what you have. Yeah. So yeah. why, um, after my second son was born, like two weeks later, uh, my wife had like this uh, big blood clot. It was like two weeks in ICU. She almost didn't make it. And so after that, every year, uh, about that same time she went in the hospital, I call or text uh, all the people in my life. I don't get everybody every time uh, that means something to me. And I say, I appreciate you. And these are the things I appreciate you. And I love you. And thanks for being in my life. And it's crazy how um, how much stronger my relationships with people have become just from that little bit of vulnerability. I, I read one time... Um, that whenever you're going to do something and you're afraid, it only takes five seconds of guts, right? So you just have to be brave for five seconds 
to say that thing you're afraid to or, or do that thing. And um, that's been really powerful in my life, that kind of that kind of thinking. That kind of five second rule of like of of and what turns your switch on to be able to go there? Um, just knowing that I only have to do it for five seconds. Something about that makes it okay. Although it was that way at first, but now it feels um, it feels commonplace for me to look at other people and tell them things I like about them or that I appreciate about them or especially people like you. Um, and I, here's why, because um, while I don't believe there's anything uh, out there, any such thing as a selfless act, because we all get something, right? Like when you're hyping the crowd, it makes you feel probably 20 feet tall, right? Like you get so much energy out of that, but it's a win-win because they're also getting amazing things from it. And um, that little bit of good that you put out there, I feel like it, it nudges people, right? And it's that thing where like uh, a ship in the sea, you nudge it just a little bit to the left. It may not look like you've moved it much, right? It's imperceptible, but you know, five years down the line, it's in a completely different direction that would have been otherwise. And so it's amazing that you guys uh, make yourself vulnerable and put that out there and you touch so many lives that you have uh, no idea of knowing, you know, how many people you've changed for the better or, uh, you know, just being that example. Well, yeah, I, I think it's a great way to, to look at it and see it. And I think it's such a, um, there's a, the, I'll give you a quick little story, but I was just recently asked to do it, <clears throat> excuse me, a video for a kid's 10th birthday. <clears throat> he was a season ticket, uh, big fan of the Golden Knights lived over in England and um, it was an easy no, right? It was an easy no for me. Hey, I've got too much going on. It's under five minutes right. of my life, right? To do this kid. So I did the video. I, I, I did my bullet points in my head. I, I never write a script, but I'll do the bullet points. I do the video. I send it to his dad. His dad's like, are you kidding me? You know, I put the Jersey on, I did the whole thing and had all the right notes, sent it to the, to the dad his dad's just overwhelmed with joy and he's like i'm so emotional thank you for doing this send it to the kid it's over for me it's over we're done we're good right so the next day the young kid 10 year old kid named harvey fiery red hair big smile sits in his dad's office with all the you know paraphernalia behind him and he's got this great british accent he says thank you cameron for the video he's holding up my book uh, I love the book. Look at that guy on the cover. He's so he's a, it's like something funny, this 10 year old. Right. And he's like, thank you for taking the time. And he does this video and I can't wait to see you. And I was just like, wow. And it hit me. I posted. I decided to post it. I asked him if I could post it. And I said, hey, everyone, let's wish Harvey a happy birthday. And here, here's the story of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everyone read that. It was like, take the take that extra time. Be a little vulnerable in the video, which I was, but then this kid made the ma made the full circle magic happen because he appreciated the moment. He he used it as a moment to connect with me to make me go, "Hey, thank you for taking those five minutes." And everyone like it, it kind of it didn't blow up like some viral video, but for my little social media following, people it really hit home with them because it was a simple act of uh, of of cheer being appreciated and when you do have that when that crowd does appreciate what you're giving them you get it back mm. right and this little kid so i decided to uh 
sell some of my books and all the money from the books went to buying this kid a pair of tickets to go to a hockey game when he comes over to um, New York in the fall. And now his family's like, what? And I'm like, well, see what happens. <laughs> he, he, he asked me to make a video for him. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't think that's where it was going to lead. Yeah. Nobody did. <laughs> that's the beauty of, um, you know, just taking your five second concept and, and, and sometimes making it 10 seconds yeah. or, or whatever it is. Start with five, right? Mm. Just start. Say, say how much you mean to someone. Say how much you care about them. Say you did something and I appreciate it, you know? it's There's no ego there. It's the opposite, yeah. right? I mean, to me, I, it took me a little while, but I learned um, the most brave, the toughest thing you could do is to be vulnerable, right? It's to show others that's like, you know, I'm putting myself out here and, you know, it, it could go badly, but I'm not worried about that, right? To me, that is like the most brave thing uh, I, I think that a, a person can really do. Being yeah. human, right? I mean, interesting. So while we're going here, <laughs> my friend said to me a couple of years ago, uh, five years ago maybe, she's like, Cameron, you need to do more of those videos. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, the videos where you're like being real, being vulnerable, being open, being like a male in his 40s, telling it like it is, feeling it like it is, because not enough are doing it. And I started every time, you probably, you, you know this, when you – when you hesitate on posting something on social media is when you should send it, <laughs> post it, right? And I, I would do it and it people resonate. I wasn't doing it to manipulate the, a crowd. I wasn't doing it for like likes. I was doing it because it was real. Because if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow Coldplay, I want to see you perform at a concert or I want Chris Martin to tell me his stories and his, give me his, magic of life same reason you're following me to come along for that ride so whenever i do it, it it's um it's interesting how the audience you know takes something mm. from it i i wrote this down so everybody i talk to i get something that's like i don't know i just pull something out there i become a different person from it you saying feeling it like it is i've never heard that before but what, what, yeah i've never like heard that is? and i think i'm going to carry that one with me feeling it like it is that's amazing. Do you ever feel shy? I'm just curious. Like that, that just popped in my head. Is there ever a moment where you're like, Oh, you know, I feel a little shy here. Yeah. There's moments where I like sometimes, <laughs> uh, probably around women back in the day. <laughs> um, you know, I used to joke that I could get up in front of 20,000 people, but I can't go ask a pretty girl out on a date, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not there anymore in that sense, but, I don't know if it's shy or if it's um, aware of the moment and the situation. Mm. That makes sense. Like, should I do something here right now? Should I go and make meet that person? Do I do I change that social construct that's happening? And sometimes I'm reserved and I regret it. You know, should I have gone to? Oh, so and so's over there sitting at the bar at a restaurant. Should I go say hi to them? And sometimes I'm like. I don't know if that's shy or if it's also, or maybe it's just light. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, you bring up a question about being shy. It's like, well, there's, there's, there's being nervous and there's having nerves, right? I ha I don't really get nervous like when I'm about to perform, but I get nerves and I get excited and I get adrenaline. And if I don't, I don't mm. want to be there. In the early days I would get 
when I when I'm about to do like a big talk at an event and I'm a thousand people and they're gonna give you the mic and you're gonna get I get nervous like that's nervous, but at the events I get nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my grandma used to tell me that's uh, your body getting you ready for what you're about to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's it's a it's a cool feeling when you like I said feel it like, it, like is. it is. <laughs> it is. It's a cool, just that moment of like. The camera's about to go to you, and 18,000 people are going to be like, what do you got? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so something you said earlier made me want to kind of dig in a little bit. And You were saying that when you were in high school, right, you were sitting in the stands, you're cheering on uh, your friends that made it on the team, and you just wanted, you wanted more people to be there. You wanted the crowd to get louder and bigger. It's like, like that's pretty early to, I mean, almost... I'm, I'm going to say that was your calling and you kind of um, maybe hadn't realized it 100% at that point. But it's like, where do you think that came from? The idea that it's like, oh, man, I want all these people to, you know, do all this stuff. I want to get them moving. Where do you think that came from? My parents were super social uh, when I was a young kid, 8, 9, 10. They have a lot of um, events and people over and backyard, like sport, like, you know, at the Super Bowl, it'd be the Great Cup. They'd have backyard parties and so I was always watching sort of people have fun and my both family sides, my mom and dads were very social. So it was a lot of social connectivity and um, I was a bit younger and uh, one of the younger kids. So I, I, I was always trying to like get out in front of it all. And I think that that day that I was at the game cheering on my friends at an away high school, I, I think I was the only one there for my school. There was hundreds of kids from the other school. They all wanted to beat me up and my friends and the team are like, dude, what are you doing? And when I started to say like, go, the high school name was Lisger, go Lisger. My voice got louder. My cheer got louder, more pronounced. I owned it more. I was more vocal as I started to start going, come on, you know, it built up with the confidence and it kind of unleashed me because it wasn't about being the crazy, loud, obnoxious guy in the stands. It was truly about, getting behind the guys, you know, my friends. And then I brought that energy to back to the school saying, Hey, we should have more people at our men's and women's basketball games. We had an incredible women's basketball team back at my high school. We would have at some of our, our, our games, like our school is a thousand kids. We'd have 500, 600 oh, wow. people at the games, which, you know, at a school in Canada. And then it was like, and then when we got to, you know, we got, we kept the team get going, we would go to the bigger gyms and there'd be more people from our school and would come and I would rally the troops. And, you know, the fact that, you know, I don't know how many years later, a lot, 25 over a quarter century, you know, later I'm doing NBA games and I'm taking the same philosophy of how can we have more fun in this game? <laughs> it's kind of crazy when you live in it. And when you take a second to go, hey, wait a minute. This kind of makes sense, right? And I don't know whoever's listening to this. You realize you put your 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 you look at your foundation, in your life. You look at your experiences, in your life, and you start to connect the dots, mm -hmm. right? But at the moment when we're twenty five and twenty seven and then thirty, we're impatient. We want it to happen right away. But you connect the dots. You take a little deep breath and you realize that okay, doing this now is going to lead to this. So I should kick ass right now at this game. Because this game could lead to this, right? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, Greg. When I, I 
long story short, I got asked to do the Vancouver Olympics, okay? I went up and met with them in Vancouver. I'm living in LA at the time. They call me, uh, a guy named David calls me. I pull over in the car in Santa Monica, California, and he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it here. He goes, you're in, we want you. We agree to your deal, we agree <laughs> to the fee. You're coming to the Olympics. I'm emotional now talking about it. I pull over, I lose my shit, start falling <laughs> my eyes out. Why? Well, because every game going to Wichita and Laredo, Texas and Charlotte and Bakersfield and three flights and, and the hotel at six in the morning and don't miss your taxi, all that led to me performing at the Olympics in my home country. And you realize in the moment, you're, you don't know it in the moment, though, do we? A lot of the times I don't think mm. we do. So I connected the dots and I felt that emotion in that in that like sense of like overwhelming, like all that showing up, all that work, all that never giving up was like, here I am. Yeah. You know, you're earning it. I mean, that's that's what you were doing. There was um, a sales book I was reading one time and they were talking about, you know, would you when you get the phone call that you close this monster deal, you feel amazing, right? You feel great. You're like, man, I accomplished it. But the day before you felt like crap because you hadn't sold anything for a little while, right? But it's like on that day that you got the deal, did you actually sell anything? No, you had already put in all that work, right? It was the months and weeks of grinding and, and you know, seeing everything through and chasing all those leads. That's what actually did it. So you have to like stay present in your mind thinking, hey, this work that I'm putting in place, every little piece of this counts and every little piece matters. And I know that I'm building towards, right, like this goal that I'm going towards. And so it's, it's so easy for us to get, you know, mired down in the the routine of it all to kind of feel discouraged or whatever. But yeah, it's like I, that kind of travel, that kind of uh, wear and tear that you were putting on yourself for so long. Like, I can't even imagine that. But that's a really good point because there's... Um... It's, it's, it's like you never know who's watching you, who's seeing mm. what you're doing, who, who, who behind the scenes. Um, and then you get the call like, or you close the deal because all these different things behind the scenes that you've planted, so to speak, or you, you've done a good job, you've met the right person, you've been to the right meeting, you showed up at that cocktail party that you were like, right. I don't want to go to, but then you meet uh, Laura Smith and Laura's like, no, we, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, all that's gonna, all that paid off, right? Um, and for some reason, you know, I was asked a while ago when I launched my book, what's, what would I tell my 28 year old self? And it was a simple answer. I would be like, be more patient. Like just, just, just trust it more, trust it more. And maybe I did, maybe I was full of shit. Maybe I was, I actually knew all along. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm calling myself out. You know what I mean though? Maybe I was, you know, um, I don't have some secret formula. My secret formula is show up kick ass, be great to people, work hard, work hard behind the room, love what you do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, and some of those things like we all as humans, we need to obviously be reminded. That's why, you know, that's why you write a book. That's why we share this podcast and our stories and we connect so that maybe someone listening on their way to work today goes, Oh shoot. Like, yeah, I should show up more at this. I should, you know, cause I, I, we all need yeah. to hear it. Yeah, I I love your point of, of showing up. Another one for me that I think has been kind of a uh, a thread through all of this, but you haven't outright said it, is to say yes to stuff. When somebody asks you for something, just say yes. Because, I mean, shit, 
I called I hit you up out of the blue. You have no idea who I am, but you said yes to this. So obviously you're you're a guy who says yes to things. Well, but it's funny you say that because um I've done a lot of random talks for high school kids and they ask me, we do a Q and A and they're like, Well, what have you learned during the pandemic? And I was like, say yes. And they're like, what? I'm like, say yes. So starting in April of last, I don't even know what year we're in, 2020, just after March, and we were like, okay, this is going to go on for a bit. I started to say yes to mm. everything, okay? And I will tell you this, man, I was vulnerable. I was doing stuff, and I, I, I wouldn't even research it. I'm like, suddenly I'm like doing a charity talk for like an uh, 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 event in the middle of Alberta, for with like 20 people, they're all sitting on their couch. I'm like, what am I doing here? I do it. They really appreciate it. The guy who organized it sends the link to someone else. Someone else brings me on their podcast. I do the podcast. And then he hires me to do a corporate event for him and he buys 50 books because I said yes to doing a talk for a rotary club in the mm -hmm. middle of Alberta. I didn't do it to because I expected that, right? <laughs> but saying yes just ch can yeah. change I everything. found. It's so crazy. Nothing happens, Sorry, Greg, one quick thing. Even if nothing happens in that thing, other than you showing up and doing what you're meant to do, and that was it, that's yeah. still great. <laughs> still yeah. It still feeds you it, right? in some way. And, uh, I, you know, it's so funny. Yeah. So many good things uh, that have, uh, I'm going to say, come to me in my life have come through me saying yes to something and some incidental event. Like, so like the, the job I have now, I went to somebody's birthday party. And I really wasn't feeling it. I didn't want to, but I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to say yes. You know, I was like, I need to start saying yes to these things. And I went, met a guy, had a conversation. And then before you knew it, you know, here I was in, you know, the, the best job I've ever had in my life. So it's so funny how just saying yes. But you know what? On the other side of the coin, asking people for help. That's something else that I've, I've found is really important. I, I, something I learned is if you're a good friend to somebody, um, if they ever ask you for anything, you're going to do it without question, right? You know, you're just going to do it. But then also being a good friend means you also have to be able to ask that person for help, knowing that they'll help you. Like I, I have to be okay with it because I've always been so good about helping other people, but I never wanted to ask for help myself, which is so stupid and backwards. And it doesn't make any sense when you really logically look at it. No, it doesn't. And, and I, I'm the same way where I'm always pleasing, giving, sharing, connecting. Um, this past July, a friend of mine had gone through a hard time and he, he spent like, we're, we're on a FaceTime. We're just having a chat and had a glass of wine. It was happy hour. And he's like, tells me, but he'd gone through a hard time. He lost his dad and he was sharing all these different things after 40 minutes. And he, he says, how are you doing? <laughs> pause and I'm like sometimes Mr. Cheer yeah. needs a cheer you know I was going through a difficult moment of like whatever it was in that moment right and he's like go get another glass of wine so I did <laughs> and there we are having like the most like you know like real conversation because it's like it's okay yeah. <laughs> you know I think if anything this pandemic's taught us is like you said man it's okay to ask for help or, or say I'm stuck or wh whatever word you want to use, you know? Yeah. And, and it's healthy. It's so healthy and people want to, yeah. you know, it makes people feel good to help others. Yeah. It makes people feel that, good to help others. Yeah. 
have you ever called a friend and said, Hey, you know, I'm feeling a little stuck with this or I need some advice with this. And they, and they came back to you and said, Hey Greg, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> of course they won't. <laughs> they were grateful they could yeah. be there for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on it earlier about uh, going into the pandemic and um, I mean, your entire livelihood, the way you identify yourself, all of a sudden that comes to a screeching halt. Did you go through like the various stages of grief over that? Like, how did you kind of come to terms with that? Or were you always just steadfast and said, you know what, it's going to rebound. We're going to be okay. Like, how did you, how did you do all of that? Well, yeah, when it first happened, I jokingly went around my neighborhood block and I did a video and said, okay, I just went on my pity parade. It's over. It's time to figure it out. (laughs) uh, You know, like seven months later, I'm like, oh shoot, I'm having another pity parade. (laughs) Um, I just started to make crazy videos in my back studio. I was living in Venice beach, California, and I was making these crazy videos and I was like, what can I do for you basically? And I back to saying yes. Um, and then I got a call from a guy that I barely knew asking me to do a corporate talk for his company. He said, I want you to surprise them. I want you to zoom crash my, my sales talk. And it was April and he was already, everyone was already tired of zooms. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it made me quite well. I thought, you know, and it changed it for me. I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is what I have to do. Like, I got to crash Zoom meetings and get paid. So I then would start to promote these Zoom crashes. And then I would do the, you know, the the, the promo videos for Laura, her, her birthday, and, and I don't know, wherever she was in Texas or North Carolina. I was doing everything <laughs> to the point where um, my, my partner's friends were uh, messaging her saying, is Cameron okay? Like, he's doing some weird stuff back there. <laughs> But I didn't care. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, what choice did I have? And then, and then the big kicker for me was um, I had started a book, and I was like, I had my editor, and we were like, okay, are you going to finish this right now? Are you at the end of this pandemic, whatever this looks like, going to be able to say you did this right? You finished this book, and I did. I finished the book, and I ended up launching the book. So I had challenging moments. I didn't have the grief and the depression and the different things. I had it in little spurts Mm -hmm. of of questioning, am I doing the right thing? How am I going to make money? I'm self-publishing. I'm putting all my own money in this. But I I get that sort of, I jokingly call it cheer oppression when you come down from cheering. (laughs) When I come home after a two-week trip and I don't have anything else on the calendar for a while, but that's up to me to, to fill the calendar. That's up to my putting it out there to people. I had no control over this. So it was a weird learning experience for me, hmm. right? I don't have any gigs booked right now as we're talking for two weeks. Right now I feel okay about it. In two weeks I might go, what the heck? I might be like, you need to, right? I couldn't control it. So not to say like coming in the new year, like January, February was challenging because we always – we all thought, you know, thought it was going to open up more. And I had some tough, tough, tough times in January and February. Um, and the book wasn't, I wasn't able to go on a book tour right. and nobody buys books in January and February. And, you know, and then March, I was like, just like, woo. And it's been, um, it's been, I, I kind of wish I should kind of track it and look back on it one day. Cause I think we all be interesting to see how we, where we were. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely went through lots of different stages uh, in there, but 
you know, when I was in them, obviously I, I, you know, I was looking from the inside out, so I didn't know what was going on until I kind of like reflect back. I was like, yeah, man, I was, I was actually in kind of a depression for a little while. And then like, man, I was like, I was really anxious for a while. And just, although for me, it was kind of weird. I, um, I switched jobs in the pandemic. So there's all this fear of, you know, all of that stuff. And then, you know, just the anxiety of like learning all this new, just, you know, so it was, I, uh, you know, in like science, you're supposed to change one variable at a time and test. I thought, you know, let me change absolutely everything I can possibly think of at once. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrific. Uh, and oh, by the way, am I going to be able to find toilet paper? You know, so it was, uh, it was pretty wild time. Well, you know, but wouldn't you say those little, let's just call them just for those little funks that you were in or that I was in that people were in. I mean, I'm so grateful for some of them. Not all of them, by the way. I, I'd be full of it if I said I was, because some of them were like, I don't know. But some of them, like, like, it got me to finish a book. I mean, there's no, no one, no one in my life thought I could ever finish or write a book. And then I, then I launched it on November 10th, the, the week after the election. Chaos <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, with everything that was going on. And everyone's like, you shouldn't launch it now. You should wait. Wait for what? <laughs> right? For sure, man. Wait for everything to be calm. So, uh, and did you, did you start yeah. your book before the pandemic? I did. Okay. Yeah. I've been I took me two and a half years, three years almost to, to do it. I've been, I'd be, uh, back in the day, like before, like we travel with a laptop, I'd have a journal like early, early days. And I probably filled about five journals oh, wow. uh, on the plane, trains and automobiles. And then I had those. And then I had laptop stories of like, little tidbits of all oh, that night in uh, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, or that night in, you know, Vancouver. And then I've kept everything. I have every type of ticket, memorabilia, newspaper article, every promo in, in these boxes. And it just made me jog. It made my memory come alive in, in the events and the experiences. Yeah. So I, I had all these different stories and anecdotes and I decided to, kind of make the book that I would want to read or I would read. <laughs> and it was, it's just a collection of short stories with um, lots of different contributors adding sort of their secondhand accounts and their firsthand accounts in a lot of ways. Uh, some, a lot of different athletes or people I've met along the way that contribute just to make the stories a little, you know, pop a little more. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it was fun. Like a lot of pictures in it, a lot of crazy sort of, funny moments in it and the highs and lows and i'm really proud of it you know it's called king of cheer it's uh stories of showing up getting up and never giving up getting up so do you have an audiobook version of that not yet no <laughs> one day uh, i gotta get i gotta get to that soon i think that'll be fun to do oh yeah man that's that's how i love consuming stuff obviously i do a podcast right i love listening to to people talk about stuff. I don't know. It's like, that's the way my brain's wired. I absorb information better that way. So I, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm ready to do it soon. You know, um, I think that people will, uh, I want to do it in a different way and I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but it's going to be my voice and my stories. Awesome. And, you know, maybe, maybe I get some other, some of the other interesting people. And I had a lot of interesting people add flavor to it. <laughs> so maybe see if they can record some stuff and add it in or, or, you know, we'll see. That would be pretty cool. So you're doing all this stuff. You're an entertainer. And then what compels you to write a book? Like what's the, what's the thing? What's the voice in your head that says I need to do this? 
I think it comes back to what you said of the, you know, you're, you, you breathe it in and you give it and you get it back. I think it was like, Hey, I want to share this with people so that maybe they can read this story and, and, and look at their life a little, maybe a little bit differently, get a, get a few little hits of what I've learned and, and have a smile. You know, I, I think people that have read it, have been touched by it. I think they were shocked by sort of the heart. And one guy who I've never met in my life wrote me a great note. I love hearing from people, not, not just like, yes, it's a great little ego hit, but it's great to hear what resonated with them. Mm. Like it, it means something to you if you've put that much time and energy into a book. Uh, he said, next time it should come with a warning to add Kleenex for the first like uh, 20 pages. And I was like, oh, he's like, it really hit him. And I was like, okay, good. Because <laughs> I wanted it. It's me. It's, my, it's, it's me sharing my story. Yeah. It's you being able to touch more lives, be able to affect yeah. more people. So it's like... That's it. And, 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 you know, I, I went to the post office recently and I used to hate going to the post office, Greg. I don't know many people who like going. <laughs> yeah. I have my local post office in, in Canada that I go to and I walk in and they like, I've got a box and I've got the biggest smile and I don't care if there's 30 people deep, I'm waiting because <laughs> I know that my hard work is going to someone who's going to open this envelope and go, yeah, I bought this book from Cameron. It's a great, it's such a great feeling. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. That's, that's so cool. So it's, it sounds like it's a good mix of kind of like humor, but also life lessons along the way. Is that, I mean, was that a fair estimation? A hundred percent. And it's, it's short stories and, and it's like two, there's two, you know, it's the beginning and then it ends sort of like, and you know, halfway through the book, there's like, and, and there's an ending and then there's all the list of teams that I've done. And then the second half is more like, all the crazy stories of like, okay, the U S open, the Olympics, the, this happened. And then the, and all the, I've got four pages of all the funny things that happened in minor league events, you know, like it's not a tell all because there's not a lot to tell. It's a, it's come on this journey, mm. you know, here's some fun little bits, you know, back to what you said, which I really like you're in line at the water park or at the coffee shop. And, um, Oh, how did you start this? Okay. Well, here's the story, you know, or you're at the bar waiting for your flight. Oh, You've performed in Belfast. Tell me what that. Tell me what that was like, right? So these little snippets. Yeah, that's awesome. So, do you think you'll ever be done being the <laughs> the crowd igniter, the starter? I see. Here's the thing for me. It's like a lot of the people I've talked to when <laughs> pandemic hit, everything stopped, and so it's like you start questioning like your identity. You know, like like my wife was a fitness instructor, and then. That's how she identified. Whenever she met people, I'm a fitness instructor. Well, all of a sudden, there were no gyms open. So it's like, how do you, how do you identify yourself? And so then, you know, a lot of people I've talked to made them more kind of introspective of, you know, like, am I ever going to be done doing this? It's like, who am I if I'm not this thing? And I'm just curious what you think. Like, will you ever be able to walk yeah. away, or is it feed you so much that you'll just never be able to quit? I'm going to go get a glass of wine. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a great question. It's such a great time in my life. Um, I'm not one of those guys that says, oh, every, after every question, such a great question. Great question. Great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> no, but it, it is a very thoughtful question because I just experienced it like a couple weeks ago, that first game. And wow, did it give me life? Wow, did it light my soul? Wow, did it give me a kick in my step every day when I woke up. I felt better mentally, physically, emotionally. I wanted to give more, right? And doing virtual meetings was fine. 
was fine. By the end of it, I was kind of done with it in some ways, you know, I get that there's a powerful medium and a powerful way to, to still use the, you know, virtual meetings and things like that. Um, how it's, I, I think the book was a really great way for me to start to walk away from like the, 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 the games. Um, I do speaking events now for companies around the world, which is awesome. Uh, able to share like, you know, my energy, I ignite the room. I get everyone up dancing oh, I and crazy and story. I show videos and I, I I'm proud to say, which is, you know, when you read my book, you'll, you'll see like I've had, I've done the wave with Roger Federer at a tennis event, you know, with Bill Gates at this big charity event. And I was like, people are like, that's insane. What's it like? And I'm like, well, I was rated the number one speaker at two conferences. I'm more proud of that. <laughs> Because of the amount of work that goes into that, right? To be able to take the stories, the anecdotes, the energy, and, and to deliver it to the audience. So I want to do that in different ways. I don't have an end date. I thought maybe I would have during the pandemic. I thought there was a point where I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do one more game and I'm done. <laughs> um, and maybe I'll just know, right? I mean, you look at people who've had long careers doing anything. It's like, you know, if you love what you do, but, you know, maybe you just know, maybe that's part of the journey, mm. right? And maybe you'll never, maybe you'll never leave entertainment. You're just going to transition to something else. It sounds like you're finding fulfillment. You're well, finding voice in that other yeah. stuff too, right? No, you're, you're hundred percent right. That's exactly, I mean, it's evolve, evolve what you want to do. And, you know, I've already thought of different ideas for new books and, you know, maybe I get a bigger publisher and, you know, all those things start to back to what I said and when I hmm. walk my own talk of connecting the dots, right? Maybe I produce my own events now. Maybe I, you know, get more involved in, you know, different things at different levels. But I think that, I don't know if I'll ever have to say I'm done sporting events. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what if, what if, what if you just wanted me to come to the game and start a clap with everyone? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's an interesting thought, though, isn't it? Like, what does that look like? And do you have to really put a bow on it? No. You know? I don't see why you would. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the last game ever will be at. <laughs> no one cares, man. <laughs> no, it's just, it's. I, I, I think this last year was definitely um, a time of reflection. I think a lot of people have uh, have gone through those. Like, I, uh, I ate lunch yesterday with a guy who uh, moved to LA like 10 years ago, just up and moved and he was going to be an actor. And ultimately he ended up, um, getting a gig to a musical theater on a cruise ship and he was four days in and then the pandemic hit. And now it's like, he's at this precipice, right? He's at this balancing point. Do I try and go back to my old life or do I forge ahead with this one that I've got, you know? So it's like, it's just, it's been this weird time for, you know what, what fascinates me so much is, there's like, um, they call them flashbulb moments, you know? So like people that were alive in 63, when JFK was assassinated, it's like, do you know where you were? And they'll know exactly where they were. And like my flashbulb moment was, um, uh, nine 11. I still remember exactly where I was, you know? Um, and this COVID stuff, this is like a global, not necessarily a flashbulb moment because it was a slow burn, you know, it came on slow and it's continuing to, to still smolder, but the, entirety of the world was touched by this and affected by this, right? Nobody was unscathed. Um, and so, you know, cause I mean, there were 
Like when Kennedy was assassinated, I'm sure there were people in Europe that couldn't have cared less and it didn't mean or matter to them in any way. You know what I mean? So it's, but this is well, definitely impacting everyone everywhere simultaneously. And I, it's just, it's such an interesting way. To figure our shit out, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody was judging like the crowd guy who doesn't have a gig right now. And people are saying, Hey, are you doing okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, come on, dude, suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or, or the person who's, you know, think of all the bands, the list goes on and on of all the people affected. Right. Yeah. And, and how we turn that story and those moments into, you know, obviously for in a lot of cases, literally survival versus inspiration versus desperation is a, it's a, I mean, you know, part of me wants to hear the, the best stories of how people got through it all. The other part of me is like, I, I, let's just move on. Right. I, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but at the same time, those moments of, uh, of resilience is what inspires us and what allows us to grow. You know, mm. I had just on that funny note, um, back to your yes, say yes. I, I had a guy, I forget his name, which is horrible, Greg, but I had a guy reach out to me on Twitter. I could still see his Twitter handle though. And he said, I met you at the U.S. Open in 2017. We were in a suite. We were guests. We won this contest. You were there. We met. We talked. Um, would you like to have a Skype with me? He lived in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> so on a Saturday afternoon, I'm having a Skype with a guy I've never met in my life. Okay? He was a lovely guy. He was holed up in his, his apartment, much like the same guy was in Denver. Right? There was really not that much different. Mm. We we're talking about our experiences. He talked about his family and his dad and how he missed his dad. We ended the call. We kept in touch a bit. And out of nowhere, at some point, I can't remember exactly how it came together, but I was doing an Instagram live and I think he was on it. And then another guy was on it. And some guy who I met at a hockey game in Minnesota gifted the guy in Madrid's dad a book. He sends me the Venmo, like literally, I think he sent a hundred dollars. He's like, just, just, I don't know how much shipping is to Madrid. And we sent his dad a book of mine. And I was like, what a full circle, beautiful moment about the world going, just connect, just yeah. give, just reach out. It was a cool moment. Well, for me, uh, like you said, you know, do we, do we reflect upon it or do we just, you know, pick up and move now that things are starting to go? Um, for me, it's been interesting because, um, you know, when my wife went to the hospital, I almost lost her. And so I started reevaluating kind of everything in my life and things that seemed so important all of a sudden didn't matter, you know, and, and, um, not that I was very materialistic before, but I super don't care about anything. So long as I got my kids and my laptop, I'm pretty much good to go. You know, I can pick up and leave everything else. And most people that I've met in life go through life pretty much all the way through without ever reflecting upon um, what they've done or themselves, or they just don't become very introspective. And I've noticed that a lot of those people that before would just zombie walk through the rest of their life were forced to actually look inside a little bit and reevaluate themselves. And to me, that is, I think that's societally going to be invaluable. And I've had some really meaningful conversations just based on people kind of what, you know, it's like Neo waking up out of the matrix, right? They, they realize there's this whole other world around them 
that they can uh, look at and explore and experience. And a lot of that is through human connection that they just didn't take advantage of before or maybe took for granted. So to me, that's what's so important and compelling. And that's why I, I mean, that's the only reason I kind of ask about it. It sounds like you were, brother, you were early to the party. You were already there. You, you've been, you've been looking at all this stuff in detail already, but. Well, yeah, I mean, back to the feeling like it is, but it's at the same time, it's like, okay, now we felt it, we've lived it, we've experienced it. We're not completely out of it by any means, but at the same time, and then it's kind of like my friend said to me, um, hey, don't pull a muscle. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, because I started doing an event in the end of March. And he's like, well, don't pull a muscle. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, don't go too hard. Like, just like go slow here. You know what I mean? Like meaning, me, meaning like be aware, think it through. Mm. Just, just like we've, everyone's gone through something. So just don't pull a muscle. And it was a cool sort of way to say, like, stay, oh, be aware. And I, I think that what you said is really important about people that normally wouldn't be introspective. Now that, okay, like the, the, you know, the, the, the doors are open to the concerts and the stadiums and life, but you still got to be aware, you know, about what we're doing and what we're experiencing, why, and all those different things without, you know, you hope that we're, we're, we're learning a bit from it when we've learned and we've taken those lessons and, and, you know, I hope. Yeah. Like I've met folks before that are like, um, they're getting to go back to concerts now and it's like such an amazing experience for them. And uh, like I asked one of them, like, what is it exactly about it that you really like? And they had to think about it for a minute. And they're like, it's the shared experience with other people around me, right? Because I've listened yeah. to the same song a thousand times. But when <laughs> I experience with all these people around me, right, I'm in this environment where we're all here, we're all moving in the same direction. It's like it gives me energy, gives me life, right? And so it's if you realize that being around like-minded people feed you so much maybe that's something you could start looking for in other parts of your life you know what i mean it's just like this stuff is is awesome to me i love seeing those sparks in people um well finding those nuggets i think is what what a lot of it is about of of the the appreciation the gratitude the awareness like those little nuggets are i think what make our lives more full you know mm. um and taking the time to when you can to reflect on that you know not to, you don't have to get all deep on everything, but just taking a, like, you know, five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to Greg's five seconds. <laughs> it's not mine. I can't say that I own it, but to me, it's, it's yeah, definitely an important lesson. So uh, let's wrap it up with a couple of, uh, of questions that I, I thought, I'm just curious uh, for you, right? So I can guess these things, but obviously I would have no understanding of what they would be. What is your proudest moment? The thing you you kind of look back on and you're you're most proud of. Well, uh, it jumped out. The first thing I thought of all is what I'll answer. Um, graduating from university, I, I had a tumultuous career at university. I was uh, it was not long after my mom passed, and I was all over the place. But I was Mister School Spirit. I I was I gave a lot to the school, and I was in and out of school over the years. But while I was out of school, I ended up starting my career. And I was 25 or 24, and I went back and graduated. On the weekend, mm. I was doing NHL games, NBA games, and my friends were like, you're crazy. And I got up on stage, and um, they gave me an award, and I started the school song with 4,000 people. <laughs> That's awesome. What, uh, what, were you, what were you going to university for? What was your focus? <laughs> well, that was sort of the problem, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, my focus was to get involved. <laughs> 
<laughs> I focused on part of the experience. I, I didn't take the right courses. And when I did, I really, enjoyed, I ended up studying sociology, uh, which is kind of ironic. And I was, uh, I was a shit disturber on, on a level that, um, that, that was, that was in, in every student who knew me and knew my story there would say that I added so much to the life of the school, but I was kind of like on the edge with the administration and what was right and what was wrong. But I made school damn fun. <laughs> Sounds like they need to make a movie about your uh, college years. Yeah, right. Frank the Tank would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you say that. I, did it in a way that. I wasn't. I wasn't Frank the Tank like out of control. I was Frank the Tank with a mission, right? Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was thinking earlier because uh, I was looking at some pictures of you and stuff, and I was thinking if you, uh, when they make the movie about your life, who's going to play you? And I was thinking, I bet Will Ferrell would work out pretty well. That'd be pretty hilarious. The younger Will Ferrell, yeah. I got the hair going today. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, so uh, I'm going to close it out with, uh, what do you, what's your uh, your most embarrassing moment? Oh, wow. Uh, my most embarrassing moment. I mean, I think for me, it's like missing um, timing. Like the time, like the moments where the timing was just horrible mm. and, and I would get up and no one would be with cheering. And there's 18,000 people looking at me. Uh, so I think there's been a bunch of those. I, I did a dance cam on, on the center court of the bulls game and I lost and I was supposed to win thousand <laughs> <laughs> people. And then the 75 year old grandpa won. And then they went to me in the crowd and I was like, what are you going to do? And I got up and I went crazy and the crowd loved it. So sometimes those embarrassing moments turn turn out yeah. to be gold. Yeah, I would never say the word regret. I um I don't believe in regrets. Everything that you've done in the past has led you to where you are now. So all of it necessary, yeah, but uh, doesn't yeah. mean I don't make an ass of myself sometimes. But 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 also on that note, it's like I I, I think that it's that whole thing, and I push it in my book, I push it in my life, I push everything with the do. So just get up, and it comes back to your five seconds. What 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 happens? Greg, if you just get up and the crowd doesn't respond, and I'm not talking literally about it at a game, I'm talking about in life, right. right? It's like answering the question in class as a kid, or whatever that looks like, speaking out, believing in what you're thinking. Like, it's never going to be as bad as you think it is, yeah. right? So, so back to what you said, that's like living. You don't want to live with regret. Well, then just get up. Yeah. You know, the crowd wants you to succeed. Is the it's the way to change your mindset. They want you to succeed, and that's the way I've. I've kind of lived my mm. life and wanting to inspire others yeah. to do so many times in life. Like, you know, when I'm driving down the proverbial life or road of life, you know, I'll see a mountain coming up and then, you know, it's terrifying. And then once I'm past it, I look in my rearview mirror, it was just a little bump. You know, it's, it's never, it's never bump. as bad as it, you know, uh, my brain never. can come up with all these interesting ways that things are going to go wrong, but they never <laughs> seem to. So. Well, being human. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was, uh, there was this book I read called The Wisdom of Psychopaths. And one of the things they were talking about, and they, they were interviewing this this guy who's like uh, like criminally psychopathic, like, you know, like not a good guy. Uh, and he was saying, you know, I never worry about anything and I'm never afraid of anything. He's like, can you imagine what that would be like? He said, because 99.9% .9 of everything you worry about never comes to fruition. So why would you worry about it? I was like, if only I could turn off like... And now I'm over here envying psychopaths, but uh, the idea of it's pretty freeing. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's like saying like, 
you know, not being nervous in, in a way to get up in a crowd. You know, like if I if I was cocky and arrogant about it, I don't think it would <laughs> it would come across as well. I don't have that attitude. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not part of your DNA. It's not part of your charm. No. No, I think that's sort of why I still have had this career is because it comes from a place of uh, it didn't just happen. Like, you know, the, I wasn't just Homer Simpson at a game and decided to, you know, do it. it it's been in me. It's like it's it's what I've been meant to do and what I meant to share with, uh, you know, I'm not being too like whatever, but the world. Or, yeah. yeah, sure. The world is with the Internet and with the way I've gone around the world. Sure. I've, I've performed all around the world. So it's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, Cameron, we're uh, we're getting pretty close to time, so I figured let's uh, let's stick a fork in it. But if uh, folks want to find you out on the internet or somewhere in the real world, how would you have them do that? I would go to CameronHughes.tv. I would go to at Cameron Cheers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, I love hearing from people. If I met you at a game, if uh, if I can get you a book, if I can bring you some cheer love to say hi and so get you a book can they pick those up at cameronhughes.tv yeah yeah i can sign them for people or you know you can go to the, any of the big retailers but uh i think we want to sign them for people don't you with the personal message oh, for sure. it's more fun more intimate. <laughs> i love it man um cameron i gotta say uh this was one of my i think favorite conversations man i feel i feel uh pretty hyped after this this I I deplore small talk and we immediately had big talk and uh, locked in and uh, I don't think I found anybody else that I found such a kindred spirit in that I've talked to so far so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today well it means a lot that you reached out and, and, and that you uh, you know as I say to people the cheer you give is the cheer you get so I appreciate your cheer today and, and, and all your you know great energy so thank you all right, man well I'm gonna keep feeling it like it is let me hit uh, let me hit stop on all this stuff.